Welcome to And Just Like What, the podcast where a queer and a straight discuss the existential ennui and outsider art project that is the Sex and the City reboot and just like that. I'm Nadia Osman. And I'm Matthew Brian Cohen. And which one of us is queer and which one is straight? <laughs> that's for you to that decide, is, dear that's listener. That's for you to decide. All all answers are valid. You know what? I well, uh, whatever you feel in your heart is true is true. Happy Pride! Um. <laughs> happy Pride. Happy Pride, everybody. And happy and just like that, season two. I believe it is premiering uh, June 22nd. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I think they did that on purpose. They put the premiere in the middle of Pride Month because they know their audience. Yes, they know uh, all all the the LGBT folks <laughs> love <laughs> love not just Sex in the City, not not the original mm-hmm. series because this is not about the original series of Sex in the City, nor is it about the two movies. This is about the quasi reboot and just like that. Yes, uh, we should make a few things very abundantly clear to those listening. We may reference the original series, uh, but we are not relying on that information. We are specifically here to talk about and just like that. Um, and why why are we here to talk about and just like that? Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I think we are here uh, because we both uh, saw the first season of And Just Like That. And I think we were both equally fascinated by it as one of the most bizarre and morbidly fascinating things I've ever seen on television. I don't know. Do you agree with that, Nadia? Yes. I I want to make it clear that like part of what we're doing with this project is not to put anyone down we are here to dissect. We are anthropologists that are examining the cultural and socioeconomic and sociopolitical ramifications of this show because it did make quite a bit of an impact on people whilst also not necessarily delivering on, I think, what might be considered the expectations of an audience. Yes. Yes. It was nothing like... The original series. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it so interesting. I think the very, um, the safe route would be to continue Sex in the City X number of years later, like 20 years later. I think that's the very safe route. Instead, and just like that, and I think very intentionally, change the title. This is not Sex in the City Season 7. This is, and just like that, Season 1. Mm-hmm. This is a new series that is looking at the same characters from Sex in the City under a different lens. Yes. This is looking at them not under the sort of uh, auspices of them uh, dating and trying to make it in New York. This is them. Uh, this is the show that is looking at these women in their 50s facing the the terror of getting older and not belonging to the world you once thought you belonged to anymore. Exactly. Um, this yeah. is... Uh, like a psychological breakdown of women who once felt very safe and secure in their lives and their world. And much like I think all of us went through uh, in 2020 with COVID, everything changed for them. 
Yes. And COVID happened in, and just like that. I think that it is very fair to reference yes. uh, COVID because it, it was brought up yes, on, in the series. In, at the very beginning, they referenced the COVID-19 pandemic, which is technically still mm-hmm. ongoing, even though uh, we have all you know gone back to less of a mask mandate, etc. at the point of this recording. So to reference it in the show is already interesting, in part because so many other... Um, media projects chose to not reference it. So there's lots of other media that you'll watch that decided, you know what? COVID doesn't exist in this world. It's sort of the uh similar to 9/11 where 9/11 just, you know, the the friends of friends, I don't think ever mention it even though they no. would have been undoubtedly impacted by those events. It just doesn't come up uh because we're we're keeping a specific kind of tone and voice to the show. So for, and just like that, to basically right away go, man, I'm so glad that shit is over, sets a specific kind of tone. Yes, we are not living in a fantasy world or an alternative uh, uh, universe that I think a lot of other uh, shows and fictional properties chose to do, similar to 9-11. I would say similar to like The Sopranos, how if we remember... Uh, it, it, for those of you who have watched The Sopranos, HBO's other uh, hit property at around the same time, <laughs> when 9-11 happened, the show's tone drastically changed. And it definitely became a post-9-11 show. Yes. Uh, plot lines on the show include the FBI, who was uh, originally very focused on taking down the mob, taking down Tony, started looking more at terrorism and the Middle East. Yes. Um It had uh, mobsters suddenly become uh, huge fans of... The United States government, George W. Bush. <laughs> Which, yes, you laugh, but is very oh, true no. to how Americans yes. were yes. at it, the time. It, it, it is very, have, yeah. It, in a world You have where... these hardened criminals rooting on the very Justice Department that was uh, mere days ago tasked with uh, bringing them to justice. Yeah, so. Polly Walnuts hates the cops, but also he loves that they protect America. Yes. Like, that's where he's Hate the cops, from. but thank you for your service. Yeah, that is... <laughs> is very much what The Sopranos uh, dealt with. Um, And I think, and just like that, with COVID, even with just that one throwaway line, I think speaks to how most Americans viewed COVID, right? Thank God this is over. Now let's try to, now we'll go back to our lives, right? That's what everyone I felt like said, but we can't because something has fundamentally shifted. Yeah. And I think, and just like that season one, in its very bizarre I think very, uh, I'm trying to think of the word I'm looking for because it really was just so deeply bizarre. Uh, style, I guess, really like felt like something is off here. These are not the women we thought we knew. This is not the show we thought it was. It resembles it on a surface. It's the same people. They're living the same lives ostensibly. Yeah. But something is very wrong. Yeah. And we cannot go back to what we once had. And right. that, I think, so deals I would, with COVID, yeah. and I think that also deals with age, you know? You cannot be uh, a single woman in your 20s and 30s gallivanting across Manhattan anymore. You are older now. Exactly. Time has moved forward. The march of time, and thus the march towards inevitable death, is coming towards them, and they are on that path, and they know it this time, as opposed to when you are in your 20s and 30s, and the world is your oyster, and there are so many alternate paths that one can take. At this point, I think uh, 
part of what we're seeing with the start of the show, certainly, is all the ways in which their lives have not just changed, but all the ways in which their lives have been cemented in the past, Yes, let's say, roughly, what, uh, 10 plus 15 years-ish that we last yeah. saw them from the original. Um, mm-hmm. So, objectives for this pod, before we kind of get into a bit of a of a recap of what happened in case you're just here to catch up on like what's going on this season. Uh, let's yes. make a few things very clear. First off, this is not about what the writers are doing. This is not about what the cast is doing. This is about like the show itself. We're not here yes, to... Yes, death of the author yeah. here. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. We are not yeah, here... Yeah, the author is dead. <laughs> We're not here to talk uh, shit about anybody. That's not the goal of this. No. We are not here to talk shit about how people look, especially these older women who are on camera. We are not here to do that. Um, now, if a fashion moment comes about, and we want to comment on that, and it's a larger role in the show, that's one thing, but like we don't... We are not here to go so-and-so looks a certain way. Um, we are here, really, to examine what is happening. What is going <laughs> on? What is happening? And I think that is so interesting because it's not just a plot. And I think we're not here to just uh, recount the plot of the episodes. No. I think we are saying what is happening on both a literal level, a subtextual level, a thematic level. What is happening? Because... And I think uh, another point I want to make clear, Nadia, is I think we both genuinely love this show. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, we've said it's bizarre and weird yes. and it can be off-putting and they can make insane choices. But I genuinely think it's one of the most interesting shows I've ever seen. If you don't know it me. It really yeah. captivated my attention. Yes. I loved it. Yes, I agree. And if you don't know me, something you will now know about me is I love a big, bold choice because a big, bold mm-hmm. choice is interesting. Nothing yes. makes me more eye rolly than playing it safe and going a safe mm-hmm. route on anything. And to your point earlier, Matt, there's a world in which they could have just continued on the same path and they went, no, 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 no. We are doing a different yes. thing. Uh, and as much about different things, tackling different thematic ideas. Cause it would have, like you said, it would have been so easy to just go, Okay, it's 20 years later. Yes, we'll have the plot lines of like, oh, you know, Brady is going off to college. Or it's like, oh, I'm in my 50s. Oh, my back hurts. Like, you could easily make those jokes. But they're still, like, gallivanting across New York. You know, Carrie's writing her columns still. And it's like, no. Yeah. But they didn't do that. Yeah. They tried to really think, if we're going to tackle what it means to be a foreigner in your own land. And I don't just mean that as like New York has changed. I mean like in the world, like being like, I don't belong here anymore. What's going on? And I can't really speak to why I feel so alienated from my own existence. They really took that and looked at it and said like, what would it be like? Mm -hmm. And just the choices that were made, I think were so bold and interesting. Yes. Absolutely. That it it really got me in a way, because I, I maybe we can talk about this briefly, just not like your relationship to the original show, because I watched uh, all of Sex and the City and I liked it, but I love and just like that. <laughs> so uh, my, you know what I yes, mean? yes, my, my relationship to the original Sex and the City is uh, a love-hate relationship in that 
I've watched the series over a couple times. There's certain episodes that I know I've watched uh, over and over again. I mm-hmm. watched it at a specific time for the first time when I was uh, exiting high school into college, out of college. So in that same sense of if, uh, if New York was Carrie's oyster, this show was this way to show me the world is your oyster. There was a sense of hope and optimism. Mm. And one day I too, if I just play my cards right and move to a large city, can afford $600 shoes and I can just wear them wherever and I never have to take the subway. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's an element of looking at it. And now with time, I'm able to say, of course, that's all fantasy. Of course, like I, you know, I'm now at the age that these women are in the original series. So I am now able to look at it and go, oh, I recognize some of this in a way that I couldn't have when I was much younger. I recognize what it's like to screw up relationships. I recognize what it's like to be in healthy relationships. I recognize what it's like when your friends have kids, uh, when marriages happen, etc. All these uh, dating and relationship topics that they cover that they don't necessarily... Well, we'll see how they cover some of them in in Just Like That. We'll get to that in a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. But as far as the original series goes, it has this little spot in my heart, and there are certain moments that I still think about or still quote or what have you. And also, I recognize, um, uh, to, put, to put this bluntly, you know, your faves are problematic, right? So there are so, so many problematic moments of that show. But I'm not here to be like, Sex in the City is bad, actually. Like, everything's bad, actually. Everything is bad. Because we live in a, a world based on capitalism and the oppression of colonialism affecting every yes. facet of our lives for hundreds and hundreds of years. So everything is bad, actually. So we're not going to talk about that. We're going to give this not a revisionist history, but a reparative history. I believe that is the academic term for it when you look at media criticism and you go, no, 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 we're not here to talk about all the things that suck and we know are not cool anymore. We're looking at it from at its time that it was created and was airing. What did it do? Um, yes. It, and I think we could look to, like, I think it's a very rote analysis to be like, oh, Carrie as uh, a, pro- a problem with a bisexual man is, uh, you know, yeah. very outdated and awful. Yeah. Sure. But I think what's more interesting is to look at that and be like, her attitude towards bisexuality spoke to a feeling in the culture at the time that that was created. Yes. Uh, which is undoubtable. That that was not only, you could say, like a thing that is acceptable to put on television, but also a feeling that some Americans felt. Yes. And many still feel. And, uh, and many still feel. Bi erasure is a real thing. And mm-hmm. to look at the past and then go, ah! Carrie's awful because she doesn't understand that. Or Samantha's awful because she used these, you know, undoubtedly slurs and she treats Mm -hmm. people a certain way um, because Charlotte has no concept of uh, (laughs) how anything works, frankly. Uh, (laughs) Yes. She's just a pretty little princess on Park Avenue. Um, And the fact that, like, that's why we love her. Exactly. Like, it doesn't matter. We we stand a Jewish queen. Converted Jewish queen. Um, no difference. Once you've converted, there's no difference in Judaism. She, uh, she, <laughs> until she has her mitzvah. 
<laughs> which we'll get into later. Um, we will get into, yes. Uh, uh, and yeah, now she's officially part of the tribe. So the larger point here is that the show at once, when it aired, I feel, was both revolutionary and incredibly outdated. Like at the same mm-hmm. time. And Which is that not America in a nutshell? <laughs> you laugh, but it's very true. true. Sure, and that's what I think spoken. speaks to speaks to why it was such a hit, right? Because yes. it connected with Americans at large, particularly women, I'll say, mm-hmm. you know, largely female fan base. But this is a show that, like you said, you talked about, it, it, it offered you a fantasy about uh, a certain life in New York, a sort of aspirational, oh, you know, like one day I'll grow up and I'll have $600 shoes and I'll be, you know, writing for Vogue in Manhattan yeah. and living in a, a, a fun apartment, you know, dating the Lower East Side. That, you know, but, and that spoke, that speaks to the desires of, I think, a lot of people at the time to sort of live this kind of like new bohemian life. Yes. And I think it just like that kind of shows that it's like that time is over and also like maybe it never really existed to begin with. To me, part of what made And Just Like That season one so fascinating Mm -hmm. is, I guess, part of one of my thesis statements, we'll put it that way. One of my many thesis statements I'm going to be coming up with Mm -hmm. is that it is essentially a morning of second wave feminism and Mm. a introduction slash questioning of third and fourth wave feminism. Because if we look at this show through that lens, right, it's like Carrie Bradshaw has such deep ties to essentially the Cosmo It Girl, right? It's very Helen Gurley mm-hmm. Brown. Uh, Holly Golightly has been cited as an influence. It's very much this, I'm financially independent. I don't need a man. I want a man, right? Um, mm-hmm. So... This post-feminism slash late stage capitalism for her, you know, that scent, um, starts to come into play in the 80s and then early 90s. The backlash becomes Carrie in the late 90s and her merry band of uh, besties gallivanting around New York City going, I don't need to have uh, a person in my life. I can fuck whoever I want, I can stay at whoever I want, I can drink, I can spend $600 in shoes, I can live my life in a way I want to. And then uh, throughout the course of the series, going from this place of I need to be guarded and protected at all times to actually connection is the thing. Connection and companionship and camaraderie are the things that keep us alive and keep us going. And that's the thing that Mm -hmm. I need. Like, that's the growth for all these characters, right? So yes. I look at something like, and just like that, and I go, we are acknowledging that 15 years ago, different way of thinking about the world, and we've all evolved, hopefully, um, in that time. But it's also a show that I think is, whether because of the folks behind it, or whether it's because it's what it wants it to say, I think something it's trying to say is, even though the world has changed and we don't recognize it, I still miss the old days, so to speak. And it mm. doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean anything like, I, you know, I, I wish it went back to a time where things were worse for people. It's just, but this is what I know. This is when I was thriving. This is when things were good for me. And now we're in this, what the Simpsons quote. Now 
it isn't it anymore and what's it yes, is exactly. uh new and scary yeah yeah and i agree with you i think there's a very interesting thing where it's like oh all these characters learn sort of like oh our chosen family our connections is what is actually valuable in life uh, like our, our this friendship that we formed with each other it is through these bonds that we will be fulfilled. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because a lot of the times in relationships with men, they felt like, this is great. Oh, I, I've got it all. I've got the career. I've got the guy, but I still feel unfulfilled. And it really felt like ultimately it was our our friendships that really provided that that fulfillment. And and just like that kind of poses, well, what if we learned that lesson, but we forgot 70% of it <laughs> and we still were friends, but we weren't friends in the same way that we had let sort of like, a lot of the bullshit of life sort of seep back in mm -hmm. and we sort of become distracted and we forget and we don't know where we are anymore. Yeah. Because I think in the first season, the women were very fractured. You know what I yes. mean? Like the bonds of friendship were fractured, not just, I think, between Carrie and Samantha, which is the most uh, obvious example. Um, but the fact that they kept like auditioning new Samanthas, right? Yes. They were like trying to find, they're like, there needs to be another one, but we don't know... We know that there's an absence, but we don't know how to fill it. Yes. And it also felt like with Miranda and uh, Charlotte, there, were, there was a lot of tension there. There was just a lot of like tension between all of them where they're like, we don't know how to relate to each other anymore because we are different people and we, we haven't nurtured these relationships. We sort of forgot that the point was, we'll all get together, we'll all raise our cosmos and toast to Samantha turning 50, which I, was at the end of the second movie or the first I movie? think it was the end of the I first forget. movie. Um, okay, yeah. I, I love that. I was like, we're not going to talk about the original in the movies, and I keep talking about it. But they are, we're, we're yeah. not going to be talking about them like in our moving forward in episodes. We're doing like a, yes. a groundwork. Important to establish yes. a context. Yes. yes. And, if, and what, and just like that is speaking with, yes. right? Because this is a separate thing, but it is in conversation with the original. Yes, I feel. exactly. Um. Yeah, there's something really interesting about what you're saying about uh, how they may have forgotten how relationships work. Because if the idea is connection is king and we're going to cultivate companions, uh, how are they letting capital and consumption kind of take that away from them then and now, right? So, like, back in the day, it was very much like, we're going to get together and then we're going to go to this cool bar and we're going to have these cool cocktails we're going to look amazing, and then we're going to bitch about our lives, right? Mm -hmm. So the relatability of that is not all the stuff I said. It's the bitch about our lives part. It's when you get together yes. with your friends and you uh, talk about what's happening with you and they give you advice or they console you or they listen to you. It's just companionship. It's just community, right? This was a mini yes. community that they created chosen family right yeah and i think uh, to build off of that i think the core of the original series what really made it work were all the scenes of them at a diner mm -hmm. at a bar together whatever like you said just sitting down and bitching about their lives yeah. the four of them sitting down usually over a meal talking yes that's what the show was about yeah and and just like that I think very consciously doesn't have that. I mean, it doesn't have that because Samantha is not present right. in the show. But even when they're like sort of auditioning new Samanthas, very few scenes with all four of them together or, you know, any four women together. Yeah. And it's never quite explained in and just like that to be in the way that it is, I think, for most people. If there's the relatability of in your 20s and even in your 30s, you're getting together with your friends 
um, and your other chosen family members, and you're enjoying each other's company. Um, in And just like that, it's not as if it's, oh, Charlotte has to leave lunch or only has an hour and a half because she's got to go pick up her kids and then take them to something. You know, there's not, like, the relatability of that. There's not Miranda going, okay, I got to help Brady with his college application, so I got to run. I can only hang out for an hour between five and six. Like, that's not really addressed or happening. So it's not as if they're not spending time with each other. It's implied, kind of, but it's not outright stated. So it just makes it kind of seem as if their friendships have faltered, which then Mm -hmm. brings me back to, like, well, the entire point of the show is companionship. And then you don't have the companions. What are we doing? What is happening? Yes. Yeah. And I think this is it, it, very deliberately. This is about the loss of that. Yeah. This is and and like the unspeakable loss of losing what matters. Yes. You know what I mean. And but not understanding what happened. Like the sort of idea of like you woke up one morning. It's fifteen years later. And things are worse and you can't really speak to it. But if you really think about it, it's like, oh, my God, I've lost connection with the people who get me, Mm -hmm. with my soulmates. Mm -hmm. I let the idea of, like, either a marriage or, you know, a family or a career sort of blind me to the fact that what I need most is to form relationships with people who love me for who I am, who I can tell anything to, and vice versa, and we can be happy. And it's losing that, letting that go by the wayside, and then not knowing how to sort of fix those bonds. I, I, I think that's like what is going on in and just like that season one. Yeah, it's in- and we see all yeah. our characters sort of make increasingly poor decisions, <laughs> thinking they are going to get back to what they once had. But straying further and further from the path. I agree with you. Because when you look at the beginning of the show, the first like line, I think, of episode one of the pilot is, Welcome to the age of uninnocence. Uh, mm. And Carrie says something to the effect of like self-protection and closing the deal are paramount. Like, we don't have uh, breakfast at Tiffany's. Uh, we, we have affairs and then we kick people out because we're too late for breakfast. Like the idea setting up that like New Yorkers, you know, time is money, time is money. We don't have time mm-hmm. to like sit around looking for love. We, we gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta do things. Um, which really plays into sort of, you know, again, the, um, the economic liberalism of the time, the hyper individualism of the time. But how do you have hyper-individualism in an age of community, right? They had community. They had each other. um, And then did they spend the last 15 years just amassing wealth and continuing to consume without tending to the gardens that are these beautiful friendships? And if so, yes. Then if that is sort of the thesis of, and just like that, that is an incredible examination that we need to have as a culture, because how many articles have you read or seen headlines for that are like, men have no friends anymore? Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, why tons, is everyone yes. alone? And it, it, there's yeah. lots and lots and lots of reasons and lots of data, lots of studies that I haven't done the research on, so I'm not going to cite them here. But there's a lot of that out there. It's in the mm-hmm. zeitgeist. So if that's yes. the thing that they're trying to explore, I am really here for it. It is absolutely different than what I thought we might be getting. But that's okay, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, It's just that the way in which it was done, at least for the first season, left me with a lot of 
moments where I'd be sitting on the couch going, hmm? Mm-hmm. What? Hmm? <laughs> what? Did that? Okay. You know, it's it's interesting because, again, if the original is basically like these women are very self-absorbed and kind of self-interested, which they may confuse for individuality, um, in this modern version, it's like, how self-interested are they still? And I think mm -hmm. very, but very. how much are they bringing in individuality into it? And I think less so because they've formed units with other people, right? They've gotten married or they've had families. Um, they've had to meld other parts of themselves, uh, whether it's I'm giving up things so I can share my time, energy, effort with, say, raising my child or giving up this thing or just making compromises with your partner or what have you. Um, and I think in the original, the idea was like, well, we will consume. We will participate in capitalist consumption uh, instead of being accountable. And then as you get older, you go, well, I have all the things. I don't need to do that anymore. I've been to the places. I raised the kids. What is going on? What am I doing? Right? And so then it yes. becomes this moment where somebody like Miranda, who you think, you know, from the original was the more pragmatic and cynical of the group, throwing away her marriage for what she believes to be, you know, uh, the new person that's going to make her life better. I go, well, how much of that is you trying to get back to that consumption state? And how much of that mm. is you really looking at where you're at in your life and going, no, 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 no. But I want the thing that interests me because I had to do so much uh, giving up in order to make a life with another person. Right. And it's sort of like how we as people tend to fall into old patterns of behavior, right? Where, like you said, it's like consume, consume, consume. That's what they did. They got all the things and then lost mm -hmm. it, right? They got them all. Carrie got the husband and then lost mm -hmm. him. And well, now what do you do? It's like, well, I guess I keep consuming with Miranda. Same thing. It's just like, I got, you know, the husband, the life, the career life balance. I got that all figured out. I'm not happy. What can I do? I can only just, let me just take in more. You know what I right. mean? Rather than to stop and reflect and be like, maybe everything I did leading up to this point didn't make me happy. Yeah. It's what if I just did more of it? What if I just went back <laughs> to the well? Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. It's this thing where it's like, uh, capital and industry and however else you want to frame it sort of replaces social structures, right? Like the nuclear family is so much based around capitalism. And mm -hmm. the original show is about connection and it builds to that despite mm -hmm. or in spite of capitalism being like, no, 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 but you need to do it a certain way in order for the, the, the system to keep functioning. So at this point, they're both in the system and they've, they've uh, pitted themselves against the system at different times. So, like, how in its current form will it talk about this? And I feel like it's talking about this through the lens of loneliness. Yes, absolutely. I think I love that phrase, the lens of loneliness. I think that is exactly how we are meant to watch this show mm -hmm. through the lens of loneliness, mm -hmm. through these islands of people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just unable to connect with each other on a level that they once did. And they 
kind of either don't realize, I think there are degrees of they don't realize that they lost that or they don't know how to repair it. Right. Exactly. Because, I mean, these people have everything. Uh, especially mm-hmm. compared to most people, right? It's, it's. Yeah, materialistically, yes. the, we are dealing with the 1%. Yes, exactly. I mean, and the show makes that very explicitly clear. Carrie purchases a multi million dollar apartment on a whim and sells it. Yeah. Also on a whim. Because it's beeping uh, these too are all much. people. Too many beeps. Yeah. Uh, Miranda, decades in corporate law. Yeah. Uh, you know, very much implied, you know, has a bunch of money. Steve's bar was successful. Right. Uh, Samantha now in Europe doing PR, you know, mm-hmm. implied to be very successful. Charlotte, you see her lifestyle on the, I believe she's Upper West Side, maybe Upper East Side. Yes. So one you know. of the uppers and doing well enough to be able to like afford designer clothes for her children. Yeah. And like kind of like a private school, mm-hmm. that sort of uh, vibe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very wealthy Manhattanites. Right. Um, so- they have it all and they're still miserable. And it is because they... They do not know how to connect with other people. Right, exactly. And I think the show is about you will lose everything. That is inevitable in life, right? Like you will lose your loved one. You will lose your friends. You lose your things. You will lose everything. You will lose your understanding of the world you live in. Things will move on. But if you are able, if you know how to forge connections, you will get it back. Yes. You will find happiness. If you can connect with other human beings, it will be okay. If you can connect with your, uh, I guess, I'll, I'll say daughter, uh, even though Rock is non-binary. Well, there's the uh, other daughter, if, Lily. Yes, yes. It's just like if you can connect with them, even though they are not the person you wanted them to be mm-hmm. or maybe needed them to be, it will be okay. Right. But if you can't, you will remain isolated. Yes. And I think that... You know, this show is about, like, if you can connect with your friends, if you can connect with, if Carrie can connect with Samantha, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If Miranda could connect with Steve, uh, there's, a, you know, if they can connect with each other, it will be okay, even though they are always in the process of losing everything. Absolutely. Because that's what it means to be alive. Yes, yes, absolutely. And it's this thing where yeah. we're in this age of death to the 1%, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, yes. it's chic to be anti-capitalist. Um. Yes. And these are people that financially have everything. So how are they supposed to celebrate materialism and frivolity in an age of uh, international war, pandemic, yeah. uh, climate crisis, uh, the future for their kids, et cetera, et cetera? Like, it's, it does, it's a little bleak out there. It's a little bleak compared to maybe where it was, certainly when the show started pre-9-11. Um, Absolutely. I think it is a show that, that likewise also shifted slightly post 9-11, um, but mm-hmm. not entirely in the same way. Let's say The Sopranos or um, some other yeah. prestige There wasn't an episode shows. where, uh, you know, like the, the gang went down uh, to ground zero, <laughs> you know? <laughs> there, <laughs> there, Miranda wasn't like, I have to help the first responders, <laughs> Let me, you know? It's like I can bring a, a class action lawsuit against the city for, you know, uh, you know, not paying for their medical bills I, or whatever. I kind of wish now that there was an episode uh, of anything that had one of them dating a, what's his face, Steve Raz, I'm forgetting his last name. Oh, the guy yes, who lied yes. about being, uh, being in the towers. Being yes. in the towers. Yeah. Uh, I kind of wish. That uh, uh, one of them... You know, it would be like, Samantha would be like, well, we've all lied about yeah. that, right? <laughs> I was on and vacation. Like, I, 
I never lied about. Yeah. Being, I would never lie about being in the towers. So it's like, oh, please, you get what you want. You say whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you got to be in the towers, then, honey, <laughs> I was on <laughs> the fifty-sixth floor. <laughs> Well, he can crash his plane into me anytime. <laughs> yeah, because it would be those like Samantha would be like, oh, and then like a hunk to get like a hunky firefighter. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So should we go through? Because I've just got uh, the Wikipedia summaries of these. Maybe we can just talk about like each episode. Yeah, or, or uh, sort or, of briefly. Or do you want to do you want to do it by episode, or do you want to do it by like character, like their arcs? Um, I. I, I I say let's go episode just because I I, I have these kind of clearly sure, sure. delineated on Wikipedia. Right. Um, so in the first episode, um, we have Kiri, right? She's on uh, the she's uh, a podcast host. Now. Yes, that is like her sort of a, a modern adaptation. No longer like a sex columnist, really. Now I'm on a kind of sex oriented podcast with uh, Che Diaz. Yes, who is uh, Mexican American non binary stand up uh, stand up. Yes. And you know, Kiri and also Bobby doesn't really Lee want to there? talk about. I think Bobby yeah. Lee is also there. Uh, hero, I would say, the friend friend of the show. <laughs> Love Bobby Lee. Uh, uh, yeah, and so they all uh, end up talking about sex, and yet Carrie is still fairly prudish, especially for a sex columnist. Yes, this person who, and again, this was uh, like a contradiction in the original series, right? Like that she was a sex columnist, but. Uh, like when it comes to like you know like piss play or mm-hmm. bi men, it was just like very uncomfortable about it. Now this stuff is more mainstream. Yeah. Now you know there's like a podcast about this, and she can't reveal that side of herself. Right? She can't even reveal. She feels uncomfortable talking about it. Right. Uh, which I think you know speaks to the theme of the show, which is like, we can't like forge connections with other people. I can't be honest with you. Right. Uh, on the show that is about, let's talk about these things. Yes. Um, so that's where Carrie's at. So Miranda is now, she's studying for a master of human rights degree. She kind of gave up corporate law. Yeah. Especially uh, I post think, uh, uh, Black Lives Matter specifically. Yes. Which is explicitly mentioned. And that is what she tells her professor uh, that uh, her professor, Naya. Yes. Uh, professor Naya Wallace. That is why she, yes, that's why she gave up corporate law because she felt like she had to make a difference. Right. Uh, post George Floyd. Yeah. Never, never the mind the, the Iraq way. war. Never mind the Great Recession. Yes. Never mind uh, even, you know, say what you will about him. But Obama didn't inspire you at all, Miranda. Like, you just went about your life doing corporate law. And it wasn't until uh, um, you saw police brutality up close and personal that you went, man, we really got to do something about this. Yeah. Which, though, a lot of American liberals, a lot That's of well-to-do true. liberals, that was the thing. I mean, obviously, like we know the, you know, uh, during the summer of 2020, uh, we'll just call them the George Floyd uh, protests. Sure. Were the, I mean, the largest civil uh, rights action, I think, in American history. Uh, you know, you have people, millions of people marching, uh, not just in America, but around the world. Yes. Really woke a lot of, I think, also the timing with COVID, like a lot of well-meaning liberals, yeah. uh, well-off liberals up to the idea that there's something very deeply wrong with policing in America, mm-hmm. racial inequality, um, and just American life in general for those outside of that bubble. Yes, um, agreed. So, yeah, I think it is, like you said, th- uh, very interesting that this was the thing, but 
you know, speaks to the kind of person that she is. Yeah. Um, and then, yes, her son Brady is now 17 and he is uh, having sex with his girlfriend a lot. Yes, just all the um, time in their house. And Miranda's trying yes. to be chill about it. And Steve is trying to be chill about it. And at this point, Miranda and Steve are still married. Um, and also, they seem deeply annoyed in a way where I'm like, you're the parents. You don't have, yes. you can lay down ground rules. Yes, and but they feel like they can't. <laughs> yes, right? but it's like, one of those ground rules can be, listen, son, please don't fuck while I'm at home. Yeah, I- <laughs> and I think that th- this is so interesting, right? Because it is a thing, right, where it's like that it is, they want to be very open with sexuality, but they've forgotten that it is okay to discover and embrace your sexuality, but that doesn't mean you have to do it in front of your parents, yeah. right? <laughs> that, like. <laughs> that it, it, it is not being like I'm pro sex or I have an open mind. If you're like fucking in front of your parents, right? Yeah, yeah. Like th- that you could just it's very reasonable. Be like, oh, they'll just spend time alone, and we'll just assume you know they'll he'll do what he wants to do, and we have to you know you have a talk with your child about having safe sex and you know yes. consent. All these things are great, but it doesn't mean I need to hear you do it. And, right? and to my knowledge, <laughs> it's not like they have a consent convo. Here no. in this, sh- in between, no. like Brady, this is what you need to make sure. It's just Brady fucks a lot. A- apparently, apparently Brady was born with a with a massive schlong that he's just ramming into I his guess. high school girlfriend over and over and over again at all hours of the day, and they're just like, "Well, what are you gonna do?" And I'm like, I mean, "Maybe be a parent." I don't know. Yeah. I- I'm not a parent. I- I'm not a parent, uh- so I can't necessarily speak to how to parent people, how to parent your child, but. If it was my child at this point, I think I'd be going, hey, here's the ground rules, especially if you're Absolutely. living in my yeah. home. Yes, but they are unable to communicate. Right. Right? They are unable to have a appropriate relationship right. with their son. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yes. Um, and then she, the, we get the start of uh, she has like an alcohol problem. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, She's been drinking, which drink. is sort of new. It's not as if Miranda never yes. got drunk before or anything. It wasn't as if Miranda is the wild party coke fiend of the group. It was just, you know, maybe she had a few nights here or there. But uh, for her to suddenly be drinking so much felt like, hmm, where's this coming from? Yes, absolutely. Uh, definitely an out of the blue uh, character trait. Right. Um, and then if we're checking with Charlotte, she is uh, happily married with Harry, um, Lily, and Rose, mm-hmm. uh, before Rose uh, transitions to rock, yes. um, Lily has this big uh, piano recital mm-hmm. uh, that uh, the gang kind of all uh, comes to. Yeah. Um, and then during this piano recital, uh, Mr. Big. Carrie's husband. Uh, John Preston. Yes. Uh, he is at home on a, his Peloton bike mm-hmm. uh, and he suffers a heart attack. Carrie gets home and he dies in her arms. Yes. Uh-huh. And she opts not to call the medics who might have been able to save him based on the time frame that they're showing us. I'm sure it was past yes. that point, but, yes. uh, and I'm sure Which, she was in shock, yes. uh, et cetera. But essentially, yes. he. There yeah. is some drama. I understand the choice of you would like to have them have a final moment together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think realistically, it, it definitely does beg the question can, can you call someone? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's, what's going on here? Right. Uh, but I, I think maybe uh, realistically, she probably should have found him just dead. Right. So, uh, and that's so it. So episode two is John's funeral. 
Um, Samantha, yes. who we've noted at the very beginning, is uh, cited as not being there. She's moved to Europe. And she and yes. Carrie have another had... example of a lack of connection, yes. right? Like that, like the group is fractured and begins right. fractured. They are like, we don't really talk to Samantha. Uh, there was some blow up between her and Carrie, and she is gone. Yeah, it's an alluded blow up. We don't entirely know the details. We just know that mm-hmm. um, she's not around. But she does send flowers. Yes, as a, a gesture, right? I think this speaks to it's like trying to build a bridge, but not really knowing how, mm-hmm. right? I think like it would have been great if she had showed up for this funeral, right? right. I feel like if uh, your long lost friend came to your husband's funeral. I think that would have been a moment of like, wow, thank you for being here. But she just sends flowers. Yeah. And then Carrie, you know, texts her thank you and doesn't get an answer. Yeah. We are unable to form that connection again. Right. Uh, and so we see a couple of characters from the past, from the original show. But basically mm-hmm. what really happens is that Che, the podcast partner to Carrie, comes and gives uh, uh, fuckboy Brady uh, a bunch of weed. And they they light up together, and then Miranda gets really pissed about it. Yes, which I think uh, appropriately so. Yeah. It is, I, I think, again, it is like not a, and the show really, I think, kind of portrays like Che as only slightly in the wrong. But you really shouldn't give a, a stranger who looks young. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's not like Brady looked twenty five. Like he looks like a teenager. Yeah. That you don't know, like maybe don't just give this guy a puff. And especially if you if you do do that and his mom is then mad, it's like you can be like, I'm so sorry. Rather than I feel like being like, hey, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think maybe this is a good point to talk a little bit about Che because I think Che is really meant to represent the uh, – prototypical millennial right mm, or sort of like mm-hmm. the like the the archetypical millennial millennial or like the er millennial just like what i think we are supposed to feel like this is a millennial with a capital m yes you know what i mean this is not this person is non-binary they vape all the time <laughs> they host a podcast <laughs> you know they're eating their like, the avocado toast gen- at 16 dollars yes. Before the baby boomer generation cannot understand this person, yes, right? Yes. Um, like, who are you? I guess they're technically Gen you? X, but yes, uh, that yes, Gen X, yeah. older Gen X, getting into there where they're just like they're not even older because I guess they're in the fifties. But point is, uh, yeah, they're like, what? You work from home? What? Yeah, 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 exactly. You? Uh, it's just like <laughs> I cannot understand your world, right? Yeah. We're like we're at the sort of the the crossroads. And we are kind of coming into a different world, right? Where it's now, it's like, oh, millennials are in charge of things. Mm-hmm. Or should be, theoretically, <laughs> in our 30s and 40s. That's a different um, podcast, Matt. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, this generation, it's just like, I don't understand you at all. Right. And I don't under... And, and I think Che is meant to be both alluring and off-putting at the same time. Yeah. Where there's an appeal to, like, you are full of life and young and do things differently but also, it's scary. Yeah. You are young yeah. and full of life yeah. <laughs> and doing things differently. Yes, I, I agree. A lot. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I also think she's, you know, kind of there to represent, like, a version of their younger selves if they were from mm-hmm. that other generation. As in, I can imagine a world where there's an episode where Samantha and the gang attend a funeral and Samantha lights up joint 
and it hands yes. it to some teen, and then it's some other mm-hmm. mother getting mad at them, and they're like, what? It's just a joint. Yes. Um, Absolutely. And so now it's on the other side. It's, you know, you've become your parents. Ooh, the scariest thing of all. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And then, um, sh- and then we have. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, sorry. Go oh, ahead. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Charlotte feels responsible because she's like, I asked you to come to the recital. And if you had been there, mm. maybe he wouldn't have died. And Harry's like, please stop making my husband's death about you. Uh, and and uh, yeah, then Miranda is at the, is in the subway. For the first time ever, we yes. see the and, and subway. And I, I think we should, yes, I, I, even just to set this up a little bit, I, uh, her relationship to her professor, right, mm-hmm. gets off on the wrong foot uh, because she is sort of like very much like the prototypical like nice white liberal. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's trying very hard to appear woke yeah. and with it yeah. and respectful of African Americans and puts her foot in her mouth, yeah. right? I believe... Uh, the first episode, there was like a thing where she was like, "Oh, your your hair is great," like just like focusing on her hair too much. Yeah, just in ways where it's like, "Oh, this is not really how we should relate to black people." Yeah, as the as, <laughs> as the children people. say, very cringe, cringe yes, behavior. Very cringe. Yes, and she, uh, you know, is well meaning, but you know, ultimately uh, is being rude. Right, and then. Encounters her professor uh, Naya in the subway getting mugged. Yes, uh, with a, with a uh, by a little demon in a Chucky mask, <laughs> which I, I really love that detail. Just mugging in broad daylight yes. with a, a Chucky mask yes. on. It just looked horrifying. Yes, just, it's, <laughs> just, it's it's not your uh, not your grandma's New York. This is what no. the show is saying. Um, so no, it's not. And this this little this little vermin was just uh, tugging at her purse, and Miranda, I believe, beats him off with uh, the big textbook. Yeah. Um, and then tells uh, Naya that she waited so long to intervene because she didn't want to appear as a white savior. Yes. Uh, which I, I thought is very funny. Yes. Um, yes. To me, very funny that a character would think that's what white savior. Yes. Means. Yeah, and, <laughs> and not like, just oh. a person is in trouble and maybe you should help them. Yeah, you know that because uh, we all remember, uh, you know, marching in 2020, uh, saying things like prosecute killer cops, defund the police, do not intervene <laughs> if I'm being mugged. <laughs> those were my uh, those are my takeaways from this. Uh, but, you know. It does really show that this is what white liberal America thinks, yes. right? That's like, oh my god, I thought you just—it's just like in an effort to in an effort to get be it right, so accommodating. Yes. And- they are unable to connect with black people as human beings, right, right? right? To be like, of course you would not want to be mugged. Yes, it's like, oh my god. Um, but if I, as a white person, uh, help, then that uh, means that I'm uh, assuming that I am, you know, I know best for what they want, rather than. Just be like, no, help another person out. Right, exactly. <laughs> Which again, you know, racial inequality and racism will always exist in America if we are unable to connect with each other as human beings. Exactly. And unable to see people as people, Preach. as complicated, as messy, as inconsistent, but ultimately wanting love, respect, right. decency, all sorts of human values that we all share. Yes, ex- um, exactly. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. So. Oh, well, thank you so much. So, <laughs> um, so then we get into uh, Carrie's trying to kind of move on, you know, get yes. in that morning stage where it's like, okay, I'm not totally over any of this, obviously. 
but I'm going to try to, you know, get back to work. And so she does, and in the process realizes that John's ex-wife, who's a big point of contention in the earlier seasons, um, mm-hmm. here in Bigger yes, Together, Natasha. yes, Natasha, um, has been left quite a sum in his will. One million dollars, uh, cue Austin Powers references, and (laughs) Carrie is like, oh, my, my ex, my dead husband left his ex-wife a million dollars, they must have been having an affair, and it's like, once again, Carrie's neuroticism and insecurities, that was like the first sign where I went, oh, Mm -hmm. so these haven't changed, that's nice to know, okay, so this part of her hasn't changed, got it. Um, so she assumes it's an affair and she's like, we should talk. And Natasha is like, please, I don't want to know why. why yeah. She sort that? of stalks her, right? Yeah. Like she aggressively, I think, uh, like goes after her when she's just trying to like live, uh, live her life, work at her job, like drop her kids off, like just kind of being a, a mom. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and she just has to. Like, just be like, what happened? What happened? And ultimately, it's just like, it's, you know, we never saw each other. He was in love with you. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's it, it's definitely a case of, Carrie, this is none of your business. And Carrie definitely yes. makes it her business. Um, yeah. Stanford, whom um, RIP to the actor yes. who plays Stanford. Um, this was his last episode. And in it decides that, You've never accepted me, uh, and now I'm leaving in my relationship with Anthony to move to, I want to say Japan? Tokyo, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. He follows his, like, TikTok star that he's managing there. Right. Um, And I think another great example of, again, it's just like, oh, Carrie, it could have been Stanford as, like, the fourth or even a fifth as part of the group. But because he was a gay man, he was un-Carrie- and I guess the rest of the group were unable to accept him as like their equal, right? Yeah. As like an equal friend. Willie Garson. He was always R. going R. to be. Willie Garson. Yes. Sorry, I didn't want to. Willie Garson. Anyway, yes, yes. No, they, very they fair. couldn't. Unable yeah. to see him as part of the group of the four girls, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, well, you're not a girl. Yeah. And even though it's just like on an emotional level, you know, I like the same things you like. We feel the same way about a lot of things. I am your friend, but I will never get in. Yeah. In that same way, because of my gender. Yes. Uh, and speaking of gender, uh, Rose, at this point in which she is named, mm-hmm. um, goes to Anthony and is like, I don't totally feel like a girl. And Anthony, I think, is trying to, you know, be a be a nice elderly gay and help her out through this process of figuring out your gender identity. Um, but she doesn't go to her parents for this. She's going to, you know, Uncle Anthony for this advice. Um, which again shows this lack of connection between the kids and the parents. Although, to be fair, mm-hmm. I, if I were a 12 year old, I don't know that I would, would go to hard. my parents. Yeah. So they'd have to be real yeah. chill, and mine were not. So, uh, I get it. Uh, and yeah, then Charlotte is like, and I think what's interesting, <laughs> he's really unable to write, like, uh, you would think. And I think uh, one of the reasons they went to Anthony was like, oh, as a gay man, he will be more accepting. Mm-hmm. Not really, right? No, because that's not how it <laughs> works. Because uh, it's not I, a monolith. Yes. And kind of in a later scene, right? Like uh, equates uh, being non-binary as uh, like being a dog. Yes. Right? Acting like a dog. Yes. Um, which I think is, is so interesting. As I think, again, 
you could read that as like, oh, these creators are, you know, like transphobic or whatever. But I really think it's it's looking at, oh, even you think this person will be your friend and, and be able to understand you, they are still unable to understand, right? Because they are locked into their mentality of just, oh, it's LGB yes. and not LGBT, yes. right? Like they just, they are, you know, a, uh, a turf in a sense. Yes, yes. And it's just this thing where, again, there's a generational disconnect and a connectional disconnect where it's like, oh, well, I know you as this thing and I don't want to or can't wrap my head around the idea that that might change. I'm having a lot of difficulty mm-hmm. accepting that change. Um, uh, it, it, just as Charlotte has a lot of difficulty accepting the idea that, like, Miranda might have a drinking problem in which she finds a shit ton of uh, airline mini liquor bottles uh, in a backpack mm-hmm. that Miranda has, because Miranda's a student now, so she's got to go to a backpack. <laughs> um, and so that becomes, like, a hint as to, like, how much this woman is drinking, uh, which... Uh, Listen, this is this is the personal part of the, the personal part of the podcast now. Uh, my 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 dead mother died of alcoholism. Uh, I can assure you that like finding that many little mini bottles, I'm like, Miranda would have just been ch- chugging giant bottles of wine. Like the, yeah. like why so many minis? So she can pour them into yeah. her coffee you and think public. At a certain point, yeah, you would just be like, look, I'm gonna have the whole. Yeah, bottle. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You know. Why am I fooling myself with these airplane yeah, models? Yeah, exactly. Still, it's, it's, it, yeah. it, it, and they're just <laughs> clunking around, you know, just my bag. Click, 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 click. Yeah. And they're yeah. more expensive when you get to a certain yes. point. And with alcoholics, they're like, what's the cheapest cheap, way to get high? Cheap, cheap, cheap. Um, there's a part of me that, it, you know, if I were in the room or whatever, there is a part of me that would have wanted to pitch, well, what if, uh, Miranda and Steve become swingers or get, have mm. a thruple? You know, like, would have loved to see that. Like, what would that look like to be at that age and change up your sex life that much and potentially introduce some, uh, ranging from. Get Che in there. Get Che in there. It could, like, things that could become, if not dealt with correctly, wildly catastrophic for everybody. Instead, Miranda goes and sees Che's stand up act. Uh, Uh, excuse me. No, 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 Nadia. (laughs) They go to Che's comedy concert. You're right. You're right, you're right. Which it's a comedy concert. It is maybe some of the best piece of writing yes. in um, American history. Yes. yes. Uh truly the phrase comedy concert. Yes. Not what it's ever been called no, by never. any real human being. Never. Not even but during vaudevillian very... days did they call it a comedy concert. <laughs> no. Very deliberately called a comedy concert mm-hmm. to show us how out of touch yeah. and alienated with reality these women Which are. Which is crazy because right? you know all these women are mainlining uh Marvelous Mrs. Maisel directly into their mm, veins. Yes. And so they should know a thing yes. or two about stand-up at this point, even if the stand-up is from 1958. They should be able to go, yes. oh, she's doing her set, her tight five yes. right now. Or her act. Yes. Or her, something. Yes, her, yeah, but her bits. They, they go to this comedy concert. There are no, uh, Everyone is standing in a way that people don't stand yeah. at a, a stand-up show. Yeah. yeah. It's just so, it's so bizarre. And I think uh, we are meant to... Look at it and go, oh my God, this is so weird. Yes, it's. This is how these women must feel. It's very Lynchian. Doing this. It's very Lynchian in that it does not feel like it is a real place or a real time. It feels dreamlike in a big way. Yes. Hey everyone, so this is the end of part one. 
uh, stay tuned for the second part. Hope to see you then. Well, I won't see you because it's a podcast, so I hope to hear you. I won't hear you either. Okay.